Good morning and welcome to Horizon Community Church. Uh, so we're actually starting off this morning on a really sad note. We're saying goodbye to Matt and Marie Lane. So Matt and Marie, if you guys would come up here. Look how eagerly they come up on stage. Um, so Matt and Marie moved up here in April of 2016 to help us with the church plant. They moved up from Tennessee and they left family and friends and everything that they knew and were familiar with. And um, you kind of have to walk through the maze and stuff. And they've done a great job helping us. And this is leaving a huge hole in our church. Um, you, it's unbelievable how much stuff they do and how many opportunities that creates for you guys to step up and help fill some of these holes uh, that they're leaving for us. Matt and Marie have given sacrificially and financially uh, to support the church that we that we're starting. Uh, they've not only been involved working with our college ministry, which they've done an amazing job. They've done discipleship where they've met with uh, guys and girls one-on-one -on -one and in small groups. They've led small groups. They've been at every serve day and everything we've done. Um, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll schedule a serve day and I think, is anybody gonna come out to this? And I always know Matt and Marie are gonna at least show up. And so they've been at everything, they've done everything, they've been a part of our core team as we've kind of planned things and scheduled things and made decisions. And so it's a huge blow to us to see you guys go, but at the same time, we're excited that you get to go back and be with your family. Thank you so much for giving a year and a half of your life uh, to support this work here. And I know that uh, I'm sure all of you have had opportunities to get to know them and love them, and we're deeply, deeply gonna miss them. So uh, we have from Horizon Community Church, we just have a thank you here. One thing we've learned about Matt and Marie, because you don't have to spend very much time with them to learn this, is Marie loves chilies and Matt loves Taco Bell. And so I thought the best way to thank you guys was to give you guys a gift certificate to Chili's and Taco Bell. And so, you know, you guys can either take each other to those places or you can just go separately <laughs> so you're both happy. But I want to give this to you guys. I love you guys and I thank you guys so much. Uh, you've essentially put your ordinary life on hold for a year and a half so you could come and help us. So we're deeply thankful for that. And I think they should be an inspiration to you because the organization we work with that starts new churches, Send Network, is gonna be starting new churches around Philadelphia and there'll be opportunities for you to go. And maybe when you graduate or when you retire and you think, what am I supposed to do? Take a year and go work with a new church getting started. Um, I think they are a great inspiration and example in that. So I'd like to pray over you guys and just pray uh, that you guys are blessed as you transition back to Tennessee and just to thank you guys as well. So feel free to pray where you're at as well and join in as we pray and thank Matt and Marie. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for Matt and Marie Lane. Lord, thank you for their willingness uh, to leave Tennessee and come and help us here in Philadelphia. Thank you, Lord, for them giving a year and a half of their life to this work that you called us to do. And Lord, we're so grateful that you uh, allowed us not only to know them and love them and become friends with them, but you allowed them to be a part of the work that you're doing here. Lord, I pray that you will richly bless them. Lord, I pray that you bless them spiritually and physically, emotionally, financially, every way that you can possibly bless because of their willingness to sacrifice and come here. Lord, thank you for so often that um, they missed family gatherings with their family back in Tennessee. So often they miss birthdays and they miss celebrations and holidays. Lord, thank you for their willingness to just relocate their lives and find new jobs and wrestle through the stress of uh, adjusting to a new place. Lord, I pray that you will give them a smooth transition back to Tennessee, that you'll bless them and encourage them, Lord. And I pray that 
Uh, Lord, you just go before them and you continue to use them in great and powerful ways, Lord. Thank you so much for them. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Yeah, give them a hand. So this morning, um, we're starting a new sermon series. And I think the best way to start it out is just by asking a simple question. How many of you would like a better life? How many? A few. Okay. A lot of you didn't raise your hand, and I think that's probably because you're scared about what I'll ask you to do if you did, right? You probably do want a better life, but you're like, if I raise my hand, he might make me do something. Or uh, it's kind of like a few weeks ago, I was in an electronics store, and I was, I was looking at some video games, actually, and uh, this guy walked up to me, and he had a Verizon polo on and a tablet in his hand, and he goes, do you like the internet? And I knew when he was asking me this question, this wasn't an innocent question, right? It's kind of like the question, do you want a better life? I know something's going to follow this, so I'm a little nervous. I knew he was going to try to sell me Verizon Fios and get me to switch from Comcast. And, uh, you know, what kind of question is that? Do you like the internet? Obviously, I like the internet. Everybody likes the internet. Without the internet, we wouldn't have cat videos. Can you imagine your life without cat videos? It would be a bad life. It would not be as good life as it is today with cat videos. So obviously I love the internet, uh, but just a confession, I lied. I was like, no, I don't like the internet and I walked off because I didn't want him to sell me on something. So most people want a better life or at least hope that there's a better life out there. But you may not have raised your hand because you're scared about like, what's Alex going to try to force me to do if I say I want a better life? Um, we're starting this new series called More, How to Experience God's Best for your life because none of us want to reach the end of our lives right and think did I miss it was there something more out there should I have done something else uh, did I did I miss the abundant life that God had in store for me or that he had in mind for me is life more than simply waking up going to sleep eating going to sleep waking up going to work and just repeating the whole cycle over and over again and I think we've all probably encountered people right who when we, we see them go through hard times, maybe the loss of a loved one or a sickness or you know a loss of a job, and somehow they, they manage to still have peace and they still have, manage to have joy despite bad things happening in our life. And we think, boy, I'd like to live like that. They seem to be living some kind of deeper life that I'm not living. And Jesus himself said in John 10, 10, that he said this, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus came so that we could have life and we could have it in abundance. But I think if we're honest, a lot of people who are following Jesus live far below the expectation of an abundant life. I think most of us think about an abundant life like we think about a pinata. And uh, I'm actually going to put this down here so I can use both hands. And... I think most of us think of an abundant life like a pinata where we think it's out there somewhere, but we're blindfolded. And every time we're trying to hit it, we're just like swinging wildly. And it seems like we can never, ever land a hit on the thing that we think is going to actually bring us an abundant life. And then finally, that day comes when we're like, we finally either get lucky or through repeated tries, we finally hit a pinata. And uh, I've really been looking forward to hitting this all the time. <laughs> And we finally crack it open, and then the thing that we think, oh man, all along, if I got that, I would totally get abundant life. And we rip it open, we finally hit that thing, and we realize it was empty inside all along. And I, I think we've all done this at some point where we think, you know, once I graduate, 
then I'll have the abundant life. Once I get into a relationship, then I'll have an abundant life. Once I become financially independent, I'll have an abundant life. But once I lose my virginity, or once I get married, once I have kids, once I have a car, and we have all these firsts, right? Like once that happens, then I'll get that abundant life. And what happens is we keep hitting those milestones, we keep getting those things, we crack them open and we're like, well, that was kind of empty, that wasn't the abundant life, and so we go to the next thing. And you know, somewhere around your 30s into your 40s, you hit all these things that you thought were supposed to give you an abundant life, and you recognize, wow, I'm still empty. I haven't found an abundant life, and that's usually when people have a midlife crisis, right? They got everything that they thought, they hit all the piñatas that they thought would give them an abundant life, uh, but it didn't end up satisfying. And so I think the first thing we need to talk about, and that's what we're talking about today in this sermon as we start this series, is does, is there actually an abundant life? Does God actually want us to experience an abundant life? Is it even out there? Is this just some, you know, pipe dream, pie in the sky, or is there really an abundant life that we can enjoy? I believe that we're never going to find something that we don't think exists. And so if we don't think that there's an abundant life, we're never going to find it or enjoy it. Is there out there somewhere a piñata that's not empty like this one, but is actually full of candy? Is there actually an abundant life that we can grab a hold of? Um, if God doesn't want you to have an abundant life, there's no point trying to get it, right? Because you can't fight against him. If God's against us or he wants, us to, keep, if he wants to keep us from experiencing his best, there's no point in looking at it, looking for it. Um, by secret law of the soul, we all end up moving towards our definition of God. And so if we think that God is a God who keeps abundance from us, who prevents us from experiencing his best, we subconsciously move our lives away from abundance and towards misery. What you think about God is going to define how much you get to enjoy God. The way we define God usually ends up defining us. So does God want us to have an abundant life? I think the answer is overwhelmingly yes, and I'm going to talk to you about why I think that world, uh, why I think that is. One of the reasons is our world is uniquely hardwired for pleasure. Have you ever thought about this? Our world is set up for us to enjoy things. Do you realize that the culmination of a romantic relationship for a latrodectra spider is the female eating the male? Think about that for a minute. The culmination of their courting and their dating is the female eating the male. The culmination of a human romantic relationship is sex. God designed that order. Now, God could have your wife deep frying you on your wedding night. He didn't set it up that way. I got at least one chuckle out of it. Um, it's interesting. Why did God make it that way? I think God intends for us to enjoy things. When you exercise, which is good for your body, your body releases endorphins to your brain. Studies have shown endorphins, this naturally occurring chemical, uh, actually acts similar to morphine. God ordered this world in such a way so that you would enjoy it and by extension, enjoy him. Did you know that in your mouth are 10,000 taste buds? 10,000. It's so that you can savor and taste the things you eat. You could eat and taste nothing just to keep your body alive, but God says, why don't we add a pleasure factor into what you're eating so that you can enjoy and savor and relish what you're eating. We're getting ready to, uh, it's almost Thanksgiving time. I know it's a couple months away, but I already started thinking about it because I love pies. I'm obsessed with pies. And usually at Thanksgiving, I'm like, this is my excuse to eat a whole pie just myself. I love pecan pies, and uh, I usually eat a whole pecan pie on Thanksgiving. 
and then I spent the rest of the year trying to work off that pecan, pecan pie weight. But could you imagine if you couldn't taste pie, if you just ate it and it tasted like nothing? What a sad world that would be. So God's built into our world. As much chaos and tragedy and pain as there is in the world, it's still hardwired at its nature for pleasure. And um, today we're going to look at this passage in Romans chapter 1. In this series, we're going to start working through the book of Romans. And it's interesting, Paul was an apostle, he was an early church leader, and he was writing to these believers in the Roman Empire, in the capital of the Roman Empire, in Rome. And whereas Paul had started churches in the Mediterranean, in Europe, and Peter and some of the other early church leaders had started churches in Jerusalem, in the surrounding area, the church in Rome had actually started as ordinary people fled to Rome. And so they didn't always have a great doctrinal or foundational basis for what they believed. They believed in Jesus, but they didn't always know uh, everything that they should believe. And so Paul was writing them this letter, and he's just telling them, here's the basics of what you need to know as a Jesus follower. And look at what he says in Romans 1, verses 16 through 17. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. We're just going to break this down a little bit, and I think this really backs up the idea that there's an abundant life and that God wants us to enjoy it. First of all, notice that he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Paul's mission given to him by Jesus was to share the gospel. And the word gospel just means good news. What good news was he sharing? The good news of Jesus Christ. And what is that good news? That Jesus Christ, God himself, came into this world not to condemn us, not to destroy us, not to give us what we deserve, but to rescue us, to free us, to save us through himself. And Paul says he's not ashamed or nervous about this message because it's good news, not bad news. We all hate giving someone bad news, right? Uh, I remember when I was working uh, at an insurance company and I had to call somebody up and tell them that their, their claim was denied. I hated doing that. Because you know, they were gonna be unhappy, they were either gonna cry or yell or upset. Paul says, I'm not ashamed, I'm not scared of this message because it's good news. The gospel tells us that God is willing to take extreme measures He's willing to make extreme sacrifices to do what is best for, for us. The gospel is the central message of the Bible and Christianity. It's the chief message of God to man, and that message is good news, not bad news. And sometimes in the church, we unconsciously make the gospel a message of absence rather than abundance. Right? We talk about how your sins are removed, which is true. We talk about how you should lie less and lust less, which is true. But oftentimes, talking like that makes it sound like the gospel is more about absence rather than abundance. The Christian life should be described in, in terms like you should laugh more, you should be transparent more, you should be real more, you should love more. Sometimes we talk about Jesus as if we didn't have sin, we wouldn't even need him. But Jesus just doesn't rescue us from our sin. He doesn't just rescue us from the destructive parts of ourselves. He opens up the creative, joyful parts of ourselves. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so when we become followers of Jesus Christ, it's not just he's taking our sins away, but now he's opening, opening us up to serve him and serve others in this new abundant capacity. 
Notice next Paul says that it is the power of God for salvation. It's not the power of God to beat you over the head. It's not the power of God to make you feel guilty. It's not the power of God to mess up your life. It's the power of God to save you from a wasted life. The power of God is not wielded as a club over your head to beat you, but it is wielded as a hand to reach down and pull you out of the pit. The power of God is for you, not against you. If it was against us, we wouldn't last a chance. Sometimes people tell me, they're like, I just feel like God's against me. You realize if God was against you, you'd be wiped out instantly? That's like saying the Incredible Hulk's against you. Yeah, I think you'd know. You'd be smashed, right? You wouldn't make it. It'd be all over. Next, Paul says, this is for everyone who believes. God is equally interested in helping all people. His abundance isn't limited to a few. He doesn't have a favorite few where he goes through and he's like, oh, they're good looking. They're on the list. They're smart. They're on the list. They're cool. They're popular. And I'm really glad he doesn't have a list like that because I wouldn't make any of those qualifications. I wouldn't make the list. He doesn't favor the good looking or the intelligent or the popular. He genuinely desires for everyone to be saved, to enter into this relationship with him and to enjoy an abundant life. In 1 Timothy 2, 4, it says, God, our Savior, wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Next, Paul uses this interesting phrase, faith to faith. God believes in us long, be long before we believe in him. Think about that for a minute. Long before you were born, God had a purpose and a plan for you and an idea about what an abundant life in your life would look, for, would look like. God is for us. He's behind us 100%. He doesn't want you to have a miserable life. He wants you to have an abundant life. He's made an abundant life available to us through Christ, and he doesn't want us to miss out on it. You know, he sacrificed everything. God coming down in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, and dying in our place, not only so that our sins could be wiped away, so that we could enjoy an abundant life with him. He sacrificed everything so that we could do that, and he doesn't want us to miss it. Notice next it says, Paul uh, says that the righteous will live by faith. A righteous life, a right life, and a full abundant life is a life that's lived by faith. If we want to experience an abundant life, it starts with believing that there's actually an abundant life. It starts with believing that there is out there a pinata that's not empty, but is actually full. A lot of times we chase pinatas in our life that will never satisfy us. We think if I get that career, if I get that girl, if I get that promotion, if I get that car, whatever, and those things never end up satisfying. But it starts with, a righteous life starts with believing that there is a pinata out there that's full, and that is an abundant life. And that comes as we follow Jesus Christ, as we serve him and serve others. Faith in its simplest sense is acting on something that you believe but cannot yet prove. Faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he has promised to do. Faith is not this magical power or force by which somehow we manipulate God. You know, I've heard people say before, you know, they'll say something like, well, if you had enough faith, you could make God do this. You can't make God do anything. Faith is not how you wrestle God into uh, becoming your servant. Faith is simply an expression of confidence in the person and nature of God. It is a proper response to the promises that God has made. There is an abundant life, 
and you and I can experience it. God wants us to experience it. The abundant life you could have is not your life with different circumstances, but your life with your circumstances and a different you in the midst of them. Let me just say that again, because that really sums up everything we're going to be talking about over the next few few weeks. The abundant life you could have is not your life with different circumstances, but your life with your circumstances and a different you in the midst of it. And over the next seven weeks, we're going to talk about several small shifts we can make as followers of Jesus Christ to lean into living in abundance. So if you're like me, though, you're like, okay, well, that was a great introduction, Alex, but I don't want to wait a week to hear more about how I can lean into abundance, how I can live an abundant life. So I'm going to give you just a couple quick hits, four quick things uh, that you can start to do to live a more abundant life this week. And then we're going to flesh these out more over the next seven weeks. Number one, get outside. If you realize that God created the world, and he created the world for us to enjoy and to find and recognize him in it. You know, when I go outside and I see a sunrise or a sunset, it tells me something about the orderly and beautiful nature and mind of God. I think we spend way too much time staring at glowing screens and too little time being outside seeing what God has made. Being outside reminds us that God is bigger than us, that he's grander than us, and the fact that he paints a different masterpiece every morning and every night, I think, speaks to me about his nature as an artist and as a person. Number two, thank God. Thank God for at least three things each day. It's so easy to complain about what's not right in our life and so hard sometimes to remember to be thankful for what is right. Gratitude breeds enjoyment. Gratitude breeds enjoyment. If you start being grateful for something, you'll start to enjoy it. And we exist to be thankful. God said that we should be thankful in all things. And even secular psychology tells us that two people going through similar situations, the one that chooses to find things to be thankful for in those situations ends up being happier at the end of them. Isn't that interesting that that's a very biblical idea? And so at the end of your day, set an alarm on your phone. 7 p.m., 8 p.m., whatever you want, and and just write down three things that day that were compelling, that were moving, that you were thankful for. Number three, stop doing the things that you know are destructive. It's amazing how many times people tell me that they're miserable, but then they list off the things that they know that are hurting themselves, hurting their relationship with other people, or hurting their relationship with God. If you know there's something that's a joy stealer in your life, stop doing it, right? That's pretty simple. But so often people tell me, I know not forgiving this person is destroying my life. I know complaining about these people makes me insecure about myself. I know that doing this hurts this relationship. Stop doing those things. Take something this week that you know is destructive and say, I'm going to stop it. And finally, enjoy the people you're with in the moment. No matter where we go. Whether it's church or in our neighborhoods, in our dorms, in our families, at our workplaces, in our communities, we're surrounded by people. And not always the people that we wish we were surrounded with, right? Sometimes we sit across from somebody and we're like, man, I really wish it was this person instead of this person I'm with right now. Listening, really listening to people leads to loving people. God designed us for relationship and community. Spend more time actually hearing what the person across from you is saying, actually listening to what they're saying, and you'll find pretty soon that you can enjoy being around anyone. 
and recognize that the people that God's brought into your life hasn't been by accident. It's not just a, you know, a crazy cosmic accident that you're sitting across from someone or sitting next to someone or living next to someone. God has orchestrated that so that you can have divine conversations about him. As a simple reminder about the, the fact that there is an abundant life out, of, uh, out there today, I wanted to give you guys something tangible. So after I'm done here, the band's going to come up and play, and then I'll give some announcements at the end. But as you leave, there's going to be a bowl for a candy over here. I want you to take a piece of candy as you go, just as a tangible reminder that there's an abundant life. And if you really struggle to think that there's an abundant life, go ahead and take a handful. You know, <laughs> if you really need that extra reminder. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that you've not just rescued us from sin, but you've called us to something. You've not just called us out of something, but you've called us forward towards a purpose. And God, we're so grateful that you have a plan and a purpose for us. And Lord, I pray that you'll forgive me for many times as your servant, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I've not lived an abundant life. Maybe I've done destructive things that have kept me from enjoying what you want to accomplish, Lord. Maybe sometimes uh, I, I've been so focused on a screen that I've forgotten how big and how beautiful your creation is and how big and beautiful you are by extension. Lord, I pray that you will help us to remember that there is a fulfilling life out there, but it doesn't come when we seek our own fulfillment, but when we seek you and the fulfillment that comes from serving you and serving others. Lord, maybe there's someone out here who has no idea what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and that's the starting point for any discussion about an abundant life. Lord, I pray that you will lead them and draw them to yourself. Lord, today as the band plays, I pray that you will be honored and glorified and your name will be highly lifted up. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to God of God. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. His faithful love endures forever. He alone does great wonders. His faithful love endures forever.
band another good round of applause. Wasn't it a great time for the band? Awesome. They did a great job. So I'm going to give you a couple announcements, and uh, and then we'll be done. So on the tables around you, you should see a invitation card like this. This is for you to for you to take, and either to remind yourself about when we're here, or to invite someone else to join us here. And um, we also have some of that at our table here as you leave if you didn't get one. So you'll notice here is something a little bit unusual. This is something new we're trying. We have, we're gonna continue to meet here the last Sunday of each month, um, this month in, in October and November, but we're gonna start posting services the other weeks online. And so our band will play, I'll preach, and we'll post it online and you can stream it in your home, in your dorm room, in your apartment, invite people to join you and watch it. If you can't watch it then, it'll be up on our website for you to watch anytime you want then during the week. Uh, but we encourage you to watch it with other people and essentially bring the church into your home and bring people into your home and make your home, your dorm room, your apartment, a small extension of Horizon Community Church. So. I'm excited about this. I think this is a cool idea with everyone's crazy schedules and frantic, frantic, that's not a word, frantic life. Um, I think this is could be a cool thing. And so I'm excited about it. And uh, we're gonna start that next Sunday. So information is about that is on the card. And as always, if you have questions or things, our contact information's on there and reach out to me and I'll help you get it set up. So up next is our connection card. So once again, when you came in, you were probably given a connection card. If not, there's also some on the tables as well. We'd love to have your contact information so that we can hear about what you thought about the church, what we can do better, and also to answer any questions you have or just to get to know you, to encourage you to be part of a small group or uh, meet with you one-on-one, -on -one, whatever you prefer. If you would like to give a tax-deductible donation to Horizon Community Church, you can put that inside your connection card because it doubles as an envelope, and you can drop that in this orange bucket on your way out. That's right there on the sign. Um, so up next is our next service. So our next live service will be here on October 29th, but our next service that will continue this series will be online next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And it'll stay online then if you want to watch it at a different time during that week. And then on our connection table, there's some brown bags that say Horizon on it, just like this. This is a first-time visitor gift. If you are a first-time visitor, we'd love for you to take a first-time visitor gift. Feel free to take one. Inside is a $5 Starbucks gift card, as well as some more information about our church. And then finally, uh, one of my uh, pet peeves when I was growing up in church was I would have questions, and they're like, don't ask that. You can't ask that, you know. And so I always want to create an atmosphere where people can ask questions. So right after the service, I'll be right down front here. If you have a question about something I said, something I didn't say, uh, something that you've read about in the passage, maybe you were confused about, a question you have about the church, any question is open. You can literally ask me anything, and I will be as honest as I can be in answering that. And that is all our announcements. There was also my cell phone, of course, and my email up there if you want to email me a question at a later time you'd rather not do it in person. Let's pray and dismiss. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for how good you are. And God, we know that the world many times is difficult. Our lives many times are painful and hard. But I believe that you, Lord, call us to an abundant life in the midst of it all. Lord, thank you for the worship today that reminds us, that, uh, reminds us of who you are 
and who we are and what you did to come and get us. God, we pray that you will be glorified in the way that we live and love this week. Amen. Thank you so much. You are dismissed.